0: this is patty johnson my be a wave maker podcast is a conversation on change how to lead it prepare for it and thrive when work and life are full of surprises i'll have WaveMaker guests join me and we will share ideas tips and strategies you can use now we all want to build resilience and increase our confidence in ambiguity this conversation is where we deconstruct these topics to give you real-world insights so you not only welcome change, but initiate it. I hope you'll join us. And so my guest today is Martha May, and I can't think of anybody who is a, just a walking example of somebody who manages resilience with grace and uh, positive and somehow juggles it all and you don't really know all she's juggling. So I want to just give you a quick intro of who Martha is, and then Martha, you can fill in the blanks of what I've missed. If you don't know Martha, she has been very successful in her career. She is the CHRO for Varsity Brands, was previously at Freeman, and you can look and see all the different things she's done in the change, human resource, people side of the business, making it better for, for the people, and you know, also spent a lot of time at American Airlines, which... As we've talked before, Martha, I don't know what you all were drinking at American Airlines at that time, but what a powerhouse group of women that that came from that group earlier in your career. So you know a lot about people, about change, about resistance. What have I missed on your
1: story here that would be helpful for people to know uh, that I would add, and thank you very much for that introduction, Patty, is I haven't always been in HR. I spent uh, the first 19 years of my career at American and held as many operational leadership roles there as Mm -hmm. our leadership roles, which I think has a lot to do with how I lead HR from the Mm -hmm. perspective of of the general manager or the business leader.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And how does it work and how does it affect people and so on. So thank you for that. And you know, it's funny on this topic of resilience, it's very timely. And actually, Martha and I are talking, it's on Martin Luther King Day. And the Today Show today was doing this, they were doing this feature on Black-owned businesses and those that had really kind of reinvented themselves this past year. And they asked one of these business owners, if you had to give (laughs) anybody one piece of advice after this year, what would it be? And his answer was, be resilient. So I took that as a sign that we're talking about the right thing today. So let's dive into it. That That sounds great. So for you, I think of you as one of the most resilient people I've seen. I want you to talk a minute about how have you internalized this ability to be calm, steady, but also bold in times of high change and sometimes change high change that
1: you that you wanted to have happen. Talk about what does that look like for you? I sometimes candidly don't always know what I'm doing in that moment. It almost feels like it's um it's habitual now. The best way to describe some of the sentiment: the momentum should never be lost. And so, as I think about my current role as the CEO at, at Varsity Brands, for those who aren't familiar with Varsity Brands, it's a it's a business that is incredibly mission focused, and our mission is to elevate student experiences. We do that through sport, spirit, and achievement, and and our our customer, if you will, are middle high school and college students whose entire worlds were disrupted in 2020 with covid like the rest of us mm-hmm. but the way in which we served our customer had to shift how they were going to school how the teachers were serving them had to shift and so i just remember ironically i'd only i've only been with barcy brands for about 18 months and last uh, 2020 february I was in Walt Disney World for the first time seeing the National High School Cheer Championship. There were 100 teams there. I mean, you could see nothing but cheerleaders and dancers when you went into the parks because in between competitions, they were all going to the amusement parks like like we were. Mm -hmm. And then everything shut down very quickly thereafter. And that business in particular is high event face-to-face. Um, camps competition business so we had to shift to virtual fittings we had to shift to virtual camps typically in a summer we'd have over 350,000 kids in camps all across the nation over a thousand instructors we train and then the competitions for dance and and now band and so we had to pivot very quickly and that was probably the piece of our business that was hardest hit right Additionally, on the achievement side, you know, we're caps and gowns, all, all the celebrating those uh, momentous occasions with students and, you know, yearbooks, class rings. Well, we had to pivot to a gra- virtual graduation overnight. What typically happens towards the end of, of May to, you know, the early part of June, you know, it was elongated. And I, I would estimate we probably did over 900 virtual graduations in 2020 incredible well the last piece of our business is sport so just to kind of give you the full rounding out I laughingly say that if you take a high school and you turn it upside down and shake it we sell anything that falls out <laughs> And uh, now some things that wouldn't fall out because we pivoted our business to a nearly virtual kind of opportunity to support coaches, athletic directors in all sports and because they had to pivot their, their environments as well. And we ended up also adding face masks and social distance signage because we have all of the, the, the mascot and school colors. And so for my task was to help the organization make that shift and stay focused on the end goal, which is to elevate the student experience and, and to help make that experience as, as positive as it possibly can be.
0: So let's take what happened, what you're just describing, which t- dramatic change from the end of February. And other people are seeing this from the outside looking in. You're in a business that's in the middle of all of it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: How did you work your way through the realization that we, the way, and you had been there, what, nine months at that point, something like yeah, that? Yeah, something like that. that. Like that. So we have to completely change the way we're doing this. What what were you doing? What were you thinking? And how were you trying to work your way some, through something you hadn't, you probably couldn't see two weeks out? What was going on in your mind? What actions were you taking that somebody else could could learn from?
1: Well, I think probably the first thing is never feel like you're in it alone. Mm -hmm. So I have some fantastic colleagues, the general counsel and myself immediately connected, put together overnight, really, a pandemic response team set of protocols that would happen at the Farsi Brands level and then in each of our three divisions. And we launched what we called PRT or pandemic response teams at each of those levels with heads of comm, heads of HR heads of finance and legal GCs in each of those to be rapid responders, so to speak. We set up daily calls with the executive team and then we figured it out together. And And we recognized that we needed to be in a position to support our people. I mean, we, had, we, we didn't have really any kind of telecommuting or virtual work going on at that time at all across the platform. And we literally set up, in three days, the transition from the workplace to working virtually for the entire Farmers branch facility, which had over 600 people in it. Wow. Okay. The other piece is we had some employees who actually couldn't work virtually. So those are in our manufacturing facilities or our, our district centers. And so we were equally in parallel working to make sure we put the appropriate protocols in place, and I, I remember standing up the the safety and remote work and and work safely from the workplace team, and and we we were cross functional across all three divisions, departmental boundaries that sometimes kind of get in your way and slow you down mm-hmm. and get us up. We did not have a centralized procurement organization, so we leveraged the procurement uh, professionals that were on uh, the Herf Jones platform. We yeah. had safety leader we had recently brought on in Herf Jones. We brought him into the mix. We used a camp coordinator safety protocol leader out of the varsity spirit business because they were doing more competitions where they were in venues that we didn't know. So we needed to take that into account, and the protocols necessary there. And then we leveraged a program management resource from the center and, and we started basically inventing it. I remember there was a particular organization. I can't remember whether it was LEAR. But someone basically built their protocols and then just basically put it out in LinkedIn for everybody to use, which I thought was a... I remember that. Yes. Remember that. And so yeah. we pulled that out and double-checked kind of our plan against it to say, have we missed anything? So that open source collaboration that was happening on all kinds of different platforms made it feel like the team was even bigger or larger than us. You know, Martha, there's a lot of little nuggets in there. One of the things that you you
0: said that really stuck out to me is inventing it. Now, that can be hard to do because at that point, I'm going to go out on a limb and say you hadn't faced anything in your career from the external force like this before that was that fast, and you didn't really know what was coming. So. How do you, if you think about somebody that knows they need to change, they know they need to do something different than the way they're doing it today, how do you start inventing something that doesn't exist and you're still kind of learning
1: as you go? I go back to sort of basic, sort of lean principles that I learned back in my Bell Helicopter and Rockwell Collins days. <laughs> Yeah, literally, where it's like, what problem are we trying to solve? (laughs) And you ask the five whys and use some of those very basic tools. A3s come to mind where you just start thinking about how you're even defining the problem so that you're solving the right thing. Yeah. I know that sounds pretty basic, but it, it is kind of sometimes the easiest. And then again, don't feel like you're going to do it alone. I remember when my boss said, Martha, I'm going to put you in charge of this. And I thought, crap, I don't even know. I know this business enough <laughs> yeah. to sort of know what to look for. And I just decided, look, everybody's a part of that team with me. And so I was not afraid to pull in people who knew a heck of a lot more about it than, than I did and literally learn from them. And we learned together and iterate like literally in, in a 24 hour turn, we turn and then, and then get another set of eyes on it. So that we we could get more comfortable. And then we just had to go try it out. So it was a little bit of invent, test, and then essentially continuously improve. So that was kind of the model that we were using a little bit of the agile sprint kind of mentality.
0: Yes. Let's break that down a little bit more. So talk about you collaborated. But one thing that's really important that I think about your story that you're telling here, you didn't feel even though you were asked to, to coordinate, lead this program, lead it, you didn't feel like you had to have all of the answers. How did you still play an important role knowing that you didn't have them all, but yet you had to offer that guidance? Was it still back to those same questions of what problem are we were trying to solve? Is that, how did you do that?
1: Well, and you think about the stakeholders who are all the stakeholders? You can't leave anyone out. Like some of the stakeholders are, are you know, the board because we're private equity yeah. bank capitals, our owner and,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so understanding their interest and perspective, as well as the perspective and an interest of our frontline employees who are scared. They don't know what to any more than we did. None of us saw this coming. How can we make them feel safe and comfortable? What policies can we implement so that when they, when they don't feel well, they, they feel like their, their health and their income is protected. And right. in between. And so we put some, uh, maybe the other point that I would make, Patty, is in, an, in a very hierarchical organization, you would define your team as people that are at a level lower than yours. Yes, yes. You did not. So I added our head of strategy to the call with me, I added our general counsel, both of which I would consider my peers because they have a perspective I don't bring. The strategy lead started after me. So he didn't have the historical perspective, but the GC is probably the longest tenured leader on our executive team. So he has great perspective and understands how those businesses work in ways that I'm still learning. So that's another kind of key component that I would say mm-hmm. to paradigm shift.
0: Yeah. So you went through the thought process of who needs to be around this table, who needs to be in this discussion so that in total, we're going to have all the right perspectives considered, not just who's who on the org chart or, you know, who's the most senior group of people.
1: Yeah. And it probably helped that we didn't have the level of formal structure that most companies our size kind of have, because we're still growing into our Mm -hmm. scale. And so we just asked people, you know, here's what we're doing. Here's what we think you could add. Mm -hmm. Interested? Yeah. Jump in and help. I want to talk
0: about you're in a situation, as were your colleagues, you had to do some fast decision making and step even beyond your experiences at varsity. And just think overall, if you are someone who likes to know the answer, you like to have a plan, you want to do things right. And here you are in a situation, high change. You have got to make some quick decisions to the point. Sometimes it might feel uncomfortable. How did you deal with with that? Was that an issue for you? It wasn't for me,
1: but I'm generally an 80-20 kind of person. In so if I get 80% of it right, I can always course correct in the last 20. I do actually have a member of my leadership team who is more of a kind of want to be an expert, kind of go deep when you look at her profile. And she was always the one that I used to bounce the concept up against. She'd be my thought partner. It, you know, when we're ready to implement, what have I forgotten? of mm-hmm. um, what did I not consider and should have. So I, I looked around me to find folks who maybe had more of that orientation that they'd like to have it, you know, 98% done before they launch. I got their input so that it helped me miss less stuff. Gotcha. How did you get to be
0: an 80-20 person? Is that an experience thing? Is that just how you're wired?
1: I think it's a little bit of my pro- profile. I tend to take calculated risks, but there's still inherent risk in in the calculation, and I think that's probably why I've been able to kind of dream bigger and make bolder moves. Is because I, I'm I'm not afraid. I've learned over time, mm-hmm. not afraid to fail. Interesting.
0: Yeah, and it's you know when I've seen you in action, it's funny because it, in a way you're a little bit of a contradiction. Because the outside observer, you would take on some bold stuff, and I've seen you do that. Take on some bold stuff, but meanwhile. You're smiling. You're kind of like, hey, yeah, we're, this is what needs to be done. We're going to go after it. If you said that's more your profile, what if that's not your profile? What if you are somebody who knows it's time? I've got to be bold. I've got some resistance. And you said fear doesn't want to come into play for you. What coaching would you give to somebody that, that maybe doesn't find that as natural as you do?
1: Um, well, I think some of it's learned and some of it is natural. So Pivotal moment in my life. I remember being scared to death to kind of take a leap, and we can talk about that at some point. Yeah, sure. Yes, if you'd like, but um, I remember. Talk uh, about it. what was the story there? Yeah. So I. Um, I'll try and make this as as uh, concise as I can because it was obviously a multi year journey. But um, I remember my first independent, sort of publicly traded CHRO position was running HR for Rockwell Collins in Iowa. So Mm -hmm. my uh, then husband and daughter, she was nine at the time. She's 16 now. We made the move to Iowa, the coldest uh, place I've ever lived. I had achieved, I, I guess the best way to describe it is I have always been really focused on my career for most of my adult life. So I didn't get married till later in life. I was 36. I had a child and that was at 38. So when I got the first kind of the pinnacle of what I thought was kind of my objective to be a publicly traded CHRO and all of the, the facets that come with that, I remember it was a cold winter day and I was sitting in my office and I'd got, just gotten my total reward statement which we used to do it on mm-hmm. any right do. And I looked at it and it was more money than I ever imagined making. I mean, mm-hmm. I went to school. I was, you know, one of three girls, uh, two of which went to college. It was more than I imagined. And yet I, I wasn't happy. Right. And uh, when I decided I would go discover why, I had to first overcome the fear that I wouldn't want to know the answer to that. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then when I realized it was because I wasn't happy in the relationship I was in and there were lots of reasons, but I didn't feel like I could fully be myself. Mm-hmm. Once I was able to accept myself and I was able to be me, I was able to kind of face into and take a leap that has now resulted in uh, you know an amazing relationship with my wife and really probably uh, discovering how to be an even better mom and friend and leader mm-hmm.
0: do you feel that you know we've talked before about being authentic and being yourself and that that is also a part of being able to face fear and it's gonna know it's gonna work out do you feel like that personal experience and discovery, That's what enabled that, or was that kind of already there?
1: Well, there are some elements that were there, but there was a there was a moment, Patty, that I remember because we were doing our five year. We would do a five year strategic plan for our function, just like the business units, Mm -hmm. and we brought in some futurists. And one that stood out was a woman by the name of Tracy Fenton. She runs a company called World Blue, and she had a a book that she gave us that was. Mm -hmm. you know, 30 days to fearless. Oh, well, that's interesting. Let me have that book. Right. It was like a little workbook. And all it did was for 30 days, you had to say, what am I afraid of? Why am I afraid? What would need to be true? you mm-hmm. to come true. And then how, why is it okay to let go of fear? And so you do this exercise every day to sort of say, what would I do if I wasn't afraid? And then why it was okay to kind of let go of that fear because you would sort of imagine what was the worst thing that could happen. So I applied that in the personal sense, but I've also applied that in the in the workplace. So sure, universal application to that. And I remember that helping me to just walk through all the, like, what if my parents don't accept me? Well, my sister had already come out, my middle sister, and they were great with her. So I had really little reason to be fearful. Sure. What I didn't plan on was the fact that. I would lose some long time close adult girlfriend girlfriends through the process that would be able to kind of accept me in my in my kind of full authentic self, and you know as much as I count those as lost relationships, it again kind of just taught me that you know resilience comes in very many forms and fashions mm-hmm.
0: but it started with you kind of facing what are my fears that Sounds like that was really fundamental for you.
1: It was, and I, I the trigger for me, and this is all probably different for everybody. But mm-hmm. something's up when I'm not sleeping well because I'm a good sleeper. Like if, if
0: <laughs> that's if
1: your, your work way. schedule, right. Yeah, if my work schedule permits. I'd sleep, you know, eight or nine hours, a <laughs> to seven. But when I stop sleeping well, and by the way, now that Aura Ring is really helpful because I can look at how I slept the night before. Yeah then I know something's up, something's not right, or something's out of balance. And I was not sleeping. I mean, I was waking up at two and three in the morning and just my mind could hardly turn off. And so I really just had to go lean in and say, what's going on?
0: What's happening here? Mm-hmm. Well, I do think that topic of fear is is very important. I know in my research, that is the number one obstacle. We're afraid, in your case, you were afraid of acceptance and what's this going to mean for my life. But it also people on, you know, maybe what smaller things is, I'm not going to reach my career goals. I'm going to be, I'm not going to get promoted. I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to not be successful, whatever it is that can keep you stuck. And you're just, you know, you're stuck in your tracks, right? You can't, you can't move. And at times like this and high change, you know, keeping moving, keeping that momentum going, as you mentioned, seems like, that's really all you can do, isn't it? It is. And
1: have trusted find your trusted advisors around you. They show up in the sometimes the the least obvious places. I mean they're are mentors that we take throughout our career, but then you know there are folks that you just they just have wisdom and they yeah. give freely and and authentically and so reaching out to, to those folks and getting perspective when you feel like you've lost perspective it. Mm-hmm. very helpful for me.
0: I also think how many, anybody that's listening, when's the last time you went and talked to one of those people? You know, our our schedules are busy where, you know, go talk to somebody that can give you a different perspective. Like you said, there's people that have that wisdom. We all know who they are in our lives. You know, are you making time for them to affect what your decisions are? I think there's a lot, you know, we could talk about here. And I as like I said, Martha always found you to be such a force of change, but such a positive, calming kind of person. And so, I want you to think about what's natural for you, but also you advise, coach lots of leaders, and I've seen it and I've heard you talk about it. If you were uh, giving that those that strategy advice to someone, you're the you're the wise one here. What can someone do who to try to be more resilient?
1: One thing that I, um, mid career, learned unfortunately the hard way that I've taken with me is to assume positive intent, and I coach others in that vein because quick, it's easy to quickly go down the um, you know they must have done that to get me or to make me look bad or whatever the circumstances. Mm-hmm. It's much harder to. Almost to an extreme. Imagine their intention positive, because you are you are expert on on your intention. Others are expert on your impact. (laughs) Yes, yes. And so, um, you know, making sure that we we help people to tell the positive, optimistic stories in their head, because it will change your behavior. Mm -hmm. Which, by the way, gets you into a virtuous cycle, (laughs) a destructive one.
0: Yes. Well, and isn't, su- assuming positive intent, isn't that a key element of trust, of building trust with people? I'm pretty sure that's core to that research, right? Yes.
1: Yeah. Actually, I still remember when I was leading HR at Bell, the head of operations and I, just for whatever reason, did not see We had a very low trust relationship and we had the highest, we had the most disruptive labor strike that year. And I remember, cause Hayden was five, I remember looking back on that and feeling like, you know, I'll never get that time back in her life. I missed like half her fifth year of life because of pouring myself into my work only to look back on it and and realize there was a different and better way. Mm-hmm. And I've led differently coming out of that. What would you
0: do, do differently? What If you think,
1: well, first of all, so there was this, uh, it's probably worth telling you this little story because like uh, he and I, like we didn't trust each other further than we could throw each other. Come out of my, my review. And I'd never gotten anything more than an exceedingly glowing review. And I got a sort of wah, wah average review from my boss. (laughs) Tension between us. Right. It's like, I'm so angry because of all that I had poured into it that, and when I, I cry, when I'm angry, they probably know that many of us do. So I'd come out of his office and down the hall into my, my office suite and it was late. It was probably after six. And so there wasn't much people there and I could feel the tears just streaming down my way and I, like the last person I wanted to see mm. and And I had a choice. Like in that instance, I was, I could put a wall back up. Right. Or I could be vulnerable and reveal the pain and hurt. And I decided that route. And I remember the thing that made me just like that ran through my head in that moment was a quote by Marshall Goldsmith. You take you with you wherever you go. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: It's a great and I remember thinking, it doesn't matter whether I stay here or I go somewhere else. I, I'm going to have to learn this lesson one way or the other. So I might as well be now. Mm-hmm. And he had such empathy and extended such empathy that, that that whole motion of extending trust to him, which caused him to extend trust to me, it's, that's how trust is built. It's a crazy thing when you don't trust somebody, the last thing you want to do is extend trust to them, but that's how it's built. That's how
0: it happened. It's so
1: funny. The other thing I can't
0: help but think of as, you know, um, as a woman who's come through, I mean, wasn't it ingrained in all of us? Never cry, never show that you're vulnerable. I mean, I feel like, especially earlier in my career, that was the mantra, sometimes spoken, sometimes unspoken. And in this Case, it worked for you to just be honest and say what you're thinking.
1: Well, and ironically, we built a phenomenal relationship uh, where he told me about his impeding, impending retirement before he told anybody else. And we were probably the model of what effective leadership and partnership looked like there. It was, it taught me what real vulnerability, the power of vulnerability. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. And, uh, and being honest and transparent. Just a couple more questions. Before we have a couple more minutes here, but before I get to some of the last questions, the two last questions I always ask guests. I want to ask you if you any advice that you would give that we haven't already talked about to someone who wants to be more resilient and more confident in times of change. You've mentioned a few, but anything else that comes to mind? Just as a
1: advice, words of wisdom. Maybe just, you know, the truth is powerful. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've found it, and it's easier, always easier. Mm-hmm. So first of all, you have to know your personal truth, right? You have to understand why it's important to you, why it's important um, to take the risk, mm-hmm. to be really transparent and authentic in that moment. In mm-hmm. you won't always succeed in necessarily getting what you think you want, but if you surround yourself with folks that are all about kind of the broader mission versus their their own kind of self interest you're mm-hmm. gonna find that you go further faster together. Mm-hmm. I might also tell you that you know I was trained in an environment that that for you to get ahead, somebody else had to be left behind, yes, a competitive
0: kind of yeah. environment yeah me
1: too yeah. and I, mean, I don't it doesn't have to be that
0: way, yeah. I,
1: I'm thankful that I, I was in different contexts to learn that that is not the only recipe for success. And in fact, it's way more rewarding to, to see all boats rise with a rising tide.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think too, I appreciate Martha, the blend of your personal and your professional experiences because you're just one person. All of us are, right? You know, we don't have our little work face and then a little personal face. It's just for you. It sounds like a lot of things have really come together. Um, so I'm very happy for. I want to end with a couple of questions, just quick, rapid fire. What do you know now that you wish you had known then?
1: Two things that come to mind. One is uh, life is way too short to work for and around narcissists. You know, <laughs> In the spirit in which I say it, like, it's just too short. And I found myself seeing it in the moment, but not addressing it. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm not going to do that anymore. And I wouldn't encourage any of you to ever do it. And then the other is really just, uh, it's probably a bit of the theme that we've been talking about earlier, Patty, which is, you know, authentic leadership, authentic living. Mm-hmm. That is where I've found balance and resilience and, and, an ability to just be a container and pour into others. Mm-hmm. In a way I, mm-hmm. Without it, I can't do as well.
0: Yes. Understand. Okay. Last question. What are you reading, watching, or listening to now that makes you think?
1: One, this book, my word for the year, usually is kind of set goals at the beginning of the year. My word for this year is kind of health-centered. Yeah. So that's Kind of where that balance comes from. I'm reading a book called The Seven Healers.
2: Ah, okay.
1: it's um, it's by uh, Doctor Scott Conard, and it's really around disease prevention and what you can do. It's very, it's, it's fundamental, right? Like air, water. <laughs> I mean, like basic stuff. But I've unfortunately this year has created some stress for all of us, and I've found I'm on the verge of kind of starting to have high blood pressure, and I'm. I'm, um, so maybe I don't deal with all my stress in the most positive ways. My cholesterol is a little higher than it needs to be because I probably haven't been taking care of myself like most of us where we're literally yes. bathroom breaks and we're working from home, like, like feet away from us, right? Yes. And yes. so I would just say it's been a good kind of just reset to to think about, you know, food and exercise as play, not as, you know, sort of punishment, so to speak. Yes. And there's a rule you're supposed to follow. So I yes. love that. You know, what other, this is totally great. Have you watched Ted Lasso at all? I haven't. And I've heard, I've, it's on my list of things to watch, but candidly, I haven't been watching much TV. Tell me well, If you
0: haven't, I, we won't get into it. If you haven't watched anybody listening that hasn't watched it, I just encourage you to watch it because it's funny. As I was thinking about our conversation today, Martha, I couldn't help Ted Lasso, the walking example of resilience. So I've watched okay. it entertainment and fun and but wow uh resilience on full display if you haven't seen it okay gonna
1: go watch it
0: it that i i'm gonna wrap up martha i we could have talked another hour we'll have to do that in person sometime soon i appreciate all the wisdom and just appreciate who you are and just like i said the walking example of resilience and making change happen in such a positive way. So thank you so much and your busy schedule for making time to talk today. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much, Patty. I okay. Hope. I will Be absolutely soon. take a rain check to meet face to face here soon.
0: We will do it. We will do it. Thank you all for joining us today for Be a Maker Conversations on Change. I hope you learned something new that you can take back and use. Please subscribe as we'll have more Conversations on Change coming very soon. Have a great week.